Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on At The Gates, Galsiv 3, Gladius, and much, much more. Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. It's good to be here. How are you doing? I'm okay. All things considered. Okay. How about yourself? Um, well, maybe we could tell folks uh, why our podcasts have been a little bit strange lately. Sure. Um, we, we, we normally record on a Saturday or Sunday night, and um, lately that hasn't worked out because, well, because of our schedules. Um, in my particular case, I've, I've had a series of tragedies, personal tragedies. A, a person in my family passed away, and then another passed away very unexpectedly, and then uh, another person that I've known for almost two decades attempted suicide all in about the same week. So, well, within a seven-day span. So, my schedule has been a little hectic, uh, being with friends and family and that sort of thing. So, uh, we're at it again tonight because of personal reasons. We are, we are recording on a Thursday rather than a Friday or Saturday. And uh, so we're going to cover what we have. Thankfully, today, Thursday, had an awful lot of news. We'll be bringing you a lot of news from that. But anything that happens after January 17th, we'll have to wait till the next show. We do apologize for that. But it would be impossible for us to record this coming weekend, which would have been like the 19th or 20th. Yeah, well, all the personal stuff aside, we're gonna, <laughs> supposedly we're going to. I, when I say supposedly, I don't mean we're not going to. It's just with the weather, you can't know 100% what's happening until after it's happened and past you, and then you can with certain certainty say what it ha- had happened. So we're supposed to be getting a storm that's moving across the whole country, being impacted by weather from the north and the south that could dump anywhere from 1 to 36 or 40 inches of snow with up to 2 or 3 inches of ice, with sleet and rain and God knows. So that's all supposed to happen over the next couple of days. And the last time we tried to during a weather event, which was in your neck of the woods, right. that's when we had the really funky podcast that people were like, what happened? And now, as a joke, I was like, it is sabotage, but it really wasn't. It was just, <laughs> how do the insurance companies call it? They, uh, um, Act of God, I guess? Act of God, there you go. Uh, yeah, it was right. Um, we were getting ice in my area and it was affecting power and communication. And so as a result, like our podcast sounded just awful. We did uh, the best we could. Yeah. That's also the reason why the beginning of the podcast says, oh, I got the soapbox ready. I'm going to rant. And then nothing. Because when we got to that part, 
he kept having problems, like he kept cutting out, disappearing, and it was like, okay, forget it, move it, and we're going to talk about it this week. Today happened, so what you're about to find out, we're about to share with you a lot of the news items from today, and it was like, okay, we cannot be up for two hours recording the weekly exchange because there's so much, so we'll move it to the next show, so <laughs> we'll have to see what happens next show, and if nothing funky happens, slows down a little bit, then I'll be able to go on with my rant. My rant is timeless. <laughs> Unless something happens between now and then, it is unlikely to change. So don't, don't fear. It is coming. Now, if you don't want to hear it, consider yourself lucky. You happen to skip out on it. And with all of that nonsense out of the way, I think we should go ahead and proceed with the actual good stuff. So why don't you start us with At The Gates? All right. So in a week and a half, At The Gates is going to, well, a week and a half reporting this, about a week from when you're listening to it, At The Gates will launch. It'll be a live game on steam so each week john shaper has been doing a type of dev diary about it right now he's getting the game prep for launch and i know he's still making changes to it still improving it so this week he was really busy with that sort of thing he didn't give like a full very in-depth detailed dev diary like he normally does so instead we kind of got a summary of what what's been going on he's been doing that through twitter and then he just kind of created this log of it on his website so uh, on Monday, he talked about the origins of the game, which was a History of Rome podcast that really sparked his imagination. He talked about how the team evolved and, and in, from just himself to include others from all over the world. Uh, Wednesday, he kind of recapped the very moving entry that we talked about last week, where he talked about his, his struggles with adult ADHD and the medication and how that really brought him down. It affected his physical appearance, his health, his mental health, all that, and how he fought through it. Uh, Thursday, he brought up his daily schedule, how he eats, and how he's very regimented in the way that he does things. And then Friday, on a lighter note, he posted a picture of his workspace and that sort of thing. And then on Saturday, he talked about um, the uh, engine that At The Gates is built on. It's called Elf. And uh, it was named that by a guy named John Christ back in 2011, 2012. So uh, it's through that that he creates watercolor at the gate. It required a special, I guess, for that in the engine. So that's kind of it from at the gates this week. We're going to be about a week from launch when this podcast goes up. And that'll be quite a payoff after so many in development. Absolutely. And uh, to me, now I speak for myself, when but... The art style of At The Gates is good. I like it. It's classic in nature, you know? And some I've seen some people comment negatively, and I, I get it. Art is very subjective. Different people have different tastes. So I get that. I mean, that that's I, I think that's a perfect segue into the next news item, which is Civilization VI. It, too, has a unique art style, and it has grown on me since I've been playing it on the iPad with my son, which I'll talk about later. So this week, um, we got to see Sweden for the first time. So this is one, this is also a new um, nation that's being introduced in, in uh, Gathering Store. And they are another na another sieve that likes to utilize the resources that others stay away. So they function well, they can do well in Tundra, they can do well pretty much on any resources. And one of their unique imprints is called the Open Air Museum, and it gets a bonus if you if it gets a bonus to culture and tourism if you have a city in each of the major biomes so you actually want to try and settle as many different places as you can 
it'll be interesting to see how this works with the with the culture flipping and you know the city flipping mechanic how they're going to be able to withstand it if they're going to be so widespread to try and utilize it but you know, again this is something different and another thing they have is the, another unique building they have is called um, the Queen's Bibliothèque, and this is basically a library. It's um, <clears throat> it's uh, you have a government plaza, and it's a second-tier building, and it provides two slots, great two great work slots for writing, for music, for any type of art. And when you complete it, you get um, it awards a governor title. So that's a mechanism, I believe, from rise and fall. That's they're continuing to tweak a little bit. And then their unique ability is the Nobel Prize. Now, what, what's being returned to the game is the World Congress. And it is civilizations that are able to utilize culture. And these, this new uh, currency called favor are going to be more successful than ones that don't. So if you have like a crisis, like maybe city-states being attacked, a particularly aggressive civilization that's starting wars all over the place. So there could be like an emergency event on the Congress and everybody kind of teams up together and like, okay, we need to save a city state. We need to, you know, get them in check, you know, get them to chill out and stop declaring wars because, you know, we're one planet, you know, that whole. So if you have diplomatic favors, that is one way to get your agenda across. If not everybody happens to agree with you, let's say you are on the receiving end of these, um, of the attention or monger, and you're trying to get others to help you out. And they're like, no, no, we don't want to do this. We're afraid of that guy, that girl, or whatever. So use your favor to try and pass a resolution that, you know, people will jump to your protection. So just, there's a lot of interesting mechanics built in there. Now, another thing that they have a unique ability called the Nobel prize, as we know, it originates in Sweden. And, um, this project, once it gets passed every so many years, it'll come up and, Part of the Nobel Prize is you get um, so you have an achievement. You have you have various ways of winning the game, and one of the ways of winning the game is you you have like I don't know for, for lack of a better word for somebody who doesn't know what I'm talking about. Think of it like achievement, and if you get a certain amount of, then you win the game. And one of the ways to do it is to win the Nobel Prize. Another way to, is to maybe find some kind of a super duper civic in much later part of the games. Now we don't we don't know about them. We're gonna have a linked video from the gameplay footage for Sweden where the devs talk about it, but they didn't show it yet. So my guess is they will show it at another time. And then they have a unit and then another thing unique thing is they have a unit called Carolean and this is basically an anti cavalry unit. Uh, it replaces the pike and shot and this is a faster unit that has um, more strength if it stays still, meaning that if it engages without stand still, it'll be stronger than if it had to engage. And then, um, like like Sweden is probably one of the first few civs that you can play peacefully and potentially win a non-military game by being by utilizing all your favor, making nice culture bombing everybody around you. They're reworking that mechanism as well, so it should definitely be interesting. It's um. I don't know if I'm going to play them. I'm not a peaceful player when it comes to civilization, but I'm not also a warrior. I don't just go on rampages and attack whoever, unless they forward settle, in which case, you know, all bets are off. <laughs> so that's like a personal grievance I've had with civs, I think, forever, because that's one of the main mechanics. Same as you have Gandhi being a warmonger, liking nuclear weapons. Uh, everybody likes to settle, especially on higher difficulty. Maybe, you know, we'll see. Maybe something will change. With yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, we're also going to give you an update this week on Thea 2, The Shattering. So 
you got another patch build 0332 and in this one they added a view group screen which is available from the event screen to let you know which group exactly is going to be taking part in an event because there's times it might not be clear because you might have mobs running around the map and just a random event pops up and you don't know who's involved and that's going to matter uh, when it comes to choosing perhaps what type of challenge you face or whether you try to run away, you auto resolve, all that stuff. So this will give the player a bit more information. Also, uh, it's going to be a bit more fair in who gets char chosen an event. So it gives an example. You might have five adults and five kids in a group. And there are situations where the event would choose five kids and two adults for the challenge. Well, you're going to get wrecked if it does that. So now it should be a bit more fair the way that it does that. Uh, tool tips were added for passive skills in the card game. If there's anything that see it is definitely tool tips. I will appreciate every single one of those. Also, they're adding a ritual that will allow you to remove one level from all your characters in a group, which is so necessary because I feel like, Nate, my groups are constantly being cursed. Yes. In this game. I mean, it is yes. like I am being harassed <laughs> every three turns by something like I'm, my my people are still they're gathering a bunch of stuff you know mm -hmm. and every three turns they discover an interesting place and i'm like i don't want them looking for interesting <laughs> places i just I'm want them to pick stuff up don't right. don't go anywhere interesting or do anything novel or special just collect the whatever i i need you to collect right so anyway as a result you get cursed an awful lot and now you'll be able to ritual to help remove some of that and that is a Definite, and I'm really excited about that. Um, also, they, they increased the limit of advancement up to 100. I'm not sure how that's going to affect the game, uh, but I'll be interested how that plays out in the end. So, I mean, there were a bunch of other things, certainly uh, improvements made to the co-op, bug fixes, things well, like that. But hopefully, we'll be getting a bit more optimization from the game here soon. And at the same time, tips, because... So Another yeah, thing ahead. that they did is they're rebalancing the way uh, shielding works. So you will notice, like before, uh, shields are a hard figure. So a certain shield gave you, you know, you if you like, you had a shield on your arm, and that's it. That's your protection. But that's not exactly how shields work, especially large shields. So if you know, like, the history of humanity, you had the formations where they created shield walls and things like that. So they're kind of implementing that into shields now give a percentage. So, like, if you have a particular shield, it'll give you, like, 120 bonus to shielding versus getting just a hard number for shields. So they're tweaking it. They're working on a lot of balance stuff. And I'll talk a little bit more about some of the features when I'm talking about Tia because I've been playing it some. So awesome, okay, awesome, real, really cool. Me too. I've been playing it this week, and uh, they also teased us on their Twitter account. Mm -hmm. uh, games did that. There's mm -hmm. going to be an update for Thea One coming yes. here soon. So we don't know what that is. It's boarding. Perhaps mm -hmm. by the time you listen to the podcast, it has been released. We'll just cover it on the next show. But needless to say, we're excited about that as well. Don't you think, Nate? Yep. Yep, I I think I know what it is, but I'm not gonna say any because that's just how I am. I'm I'm a big tease. Everybody has said so. Na 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 na. <laughs> Anyways, all right, let's talk about the next game that was um we haven't heard much from in the past couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden today, here we are, Age of Wonders Planetfall. They released their next dev diary called the Unifier Victory Condition. Now 
I don't know what it is, but like a lot of things we're talking about today have to do with diplomacy or some aspect of diplomacy. And that's kind of what this is. This is a victory condition where basically you win the game by taking control of this AI. And it's called, it's basically, it's the Star Union's Interstellar, which is short, conscientious. I think they spelled it wrong, their thing. Maybe I, con, science, theist. Yeah, that's right. Is it right? Okay, so I've been spelling it wrong. Very good. Omnipresent Regency <laughs> agent. And basically, hey, that's what spell checks for, right? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a really tough word to spell. I'm sure some second or third grader on some, you know, on some spelling bee spells that in their sleep. And I'm just like, oh, oh it's a tough word. It's a tough. You remember when we had to edit the article for sovereignty? Oh, oh I hated that. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. It's another one. Why does that have to be spelled so? Does the spelling have to be so complicated? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> Anyways, so this win condition is all about convincing the dormant planetary AI. So before the collapse of the Star Union, each planet had an AI that basically ran it. Now, it didn't control every aspect of life there. It just automated a lot of things, you know, kind of like when you watch movies and or like in, in the Marvel movies, the way Iron Man talks to his uh, artificial intelligence in his suit or in his house. It's kind of the same idea, only on a planetary scale, except it's gone dormant. So basically to win this game and this or to beat the game with a unifier victory, you have to not only activate the AI by booting it up and like fixing whatever is there. If something needs to be fixed, it'll be part of like a quest chain. But then you also have to convince it why you should be the ruler of the world in order for the AI to turn over control of the everyday stuff. So a lot of the equipment that everybody's using has this dormant AI in it because everybody's equipment is based on Star Union tech. So that's kind of, that's a nice twist. I like that. So once you get to the point you're actually about to win and you activate this, then the AI pretty much tells all the factions, by the way, somebody is trying to activate me and take control of the planet. If you don't like it, here are where their cities are at. Here are where their units are at. Go do something about it. You know, so it's like, okay, that's that's interesting. You know, we've seen different versions of this in other games, and that's okay. That's kind of fun. That's that's like creating, you know, like when you have a crisis or something like that, or you have like, you know, some outside threat coming in, depending on the game. So let's take Stellaris. You have like the Fallen Empires, or you have, I don't know, one of the, Endgame threats happening, right? The uh, AI revolution, awakening, whatever. So when any of these things happen, everybody kind of has to put their wars aside and start working together or they're going to get, you know, pulled over. And that's kind of what this is hinting at. Now, there's also something called the probation period where you, you have to keep control of the of a certain amount of cities and you have to... It's not even a single faction. Maybe it is your alliance that is doing this so maybe you're allied to people or ai as in other players and you have to keep control of your centers in order to activate this you know for the win victory so that is really cool i like it i'm i'm very very hyped if i if a listener is not certain whether i'm hyped for planetfall by now after all the times i've said how hyped i am i'm even more hyped because i like what they're doing here i'm very interested in getting my hands on it as soon as so i don't know i'm i'm pretty sure you're also very excited by the prospect of this game aren't you oh yeah i i think 2019 is going to be a great year for x games in general and i think planet fall is going to be among the very best to come out 
So, uh, speaking of games getting updates, uh, Endless Legends, the game that will not die, is getting a new DLC, and it's really different. This one is called Symbiosis, and mm-hmm. the new faction in this one is called the Mycara. And this group essentially evolved unicellular being grown. Now, I would say that, you know, from a scientific point of view, uh, every living thing did, right? But I guess these still um, maintain their protozoic nature. And well, they're so, fungus. Oh, they're a fungus. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, I yes. see. If you, if you look at the pictures, you'll see like their structures all have this fungal theme to them. All right. So if you look at them too close, you're like, wait, they look kind of like the unfallen. Yeah, I was about to say that, in fact. But they're not. It's just co-evolution. It's convergent evolution. Yeah. Even though it's not quite, sort of. So each... Uh, each time you play, you're going to essentially get one city with the Mycara. So in a way, they're similar to the cultists in that. But the Mycara, what they do is they can kind of spread out and overgrow, it says. I guess that's their, one of their um, mechanics. Overgrow a uh, map feature and kind of add them to uh, their their economy and siphon resources off of them. And not only can they grow out from their stem city... When you conquer an enemy city with these guys, you essentially plant your spot in it and you turn it into something that's not going to be habitable for anyone else. And it siphons valuable resources or, or currency from the what, what's now essentially a ghost town into your stem city. So that's going to be quite a bit different. So they'll be able to declare war unlike, well, no wait, it is the roving clans that can't declare war, right? Right. 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 Oh, everybody else can declare war. They do often. Yes, exactly. So uh, they'll be a little bit different, a little bit interesting that way. And also, this uh, DLC is introducing the Urkon, which are gigantic units. They're massive beasts, and essentially you can perform a quest or fight them in battle to get them to join your side. Now, Nate, that reminds me a lot of the Guardians DLC, which like one of the very first ones for Endless Legend. Yes. Are they going to work similar to that, or is it going to no, be something else altogether? They're different. There's only three of them, and they're only... Re- so what? So how they're different is that, first of all, they're bigger than... The- wow, okay. These guys are bigger than... The- and these guys spawn their own units. So the Urkons have basically, I don't know, for lack of a better word, lights, which are little units that kind of live on them, and... They're roaming armies that kind of protect them, follow them, and conquer and wipe things out. So they can, they kind of go underground and they can pop up in any unoccupied region, at least, at least until you take control of them. Tame them is the right way. You can't kill them, but you can tame them and you take control. But then, unlike the Guardians, so the way the Guardians work is that the Guardians are there to defend in a sense. These guys are not. These guys are just some other inhabitants of the planet. They are neutral. They don't have any favorites. They're not trying to defend anybody. They're just doing their thing. But if you take control of them, it doesn't mean they're yours forever. Somebody else can take control of them as well by defeating them, i.e. taming them themselves. So with the Guardians, if you defeat a Guardian, the Guardian dies and you basically build another one. With these guys, they don't. They just can change hands. So, you know, you're thinking like, Oh man, I'm gonna send them out to conquer my enemy. Well, if your enemy beats them, they're no this is no longer your unit. It is their unit. Now that is their military function. Their non-military function is they give all kinds of bonuses and they have all kinds of passive bonuses. So do you wanna send them into the front line to fight, risking them 
basically making them open to Kong to loss and then being taken over? Or do you keep them back and use them to boost up your territory? You see, that's different. I mean, it's it's kind of like this, but it's not. It's they're they're more like the kaiju. They're more like the monsters from the Godzilla movies and Pacific Rim and things like that. Well, let's oh. move on to uh, Warhammer 40k Gladius. What's going on over there? So this past week they released their first DLC, which brought the Tyranids. And basically, on Gladius, the Tyranids were not some uh, mysterious hive or something like that. They were survivors, previous hive fleet that the Mechanicus captured and brought to Gladius to experiment on. And basically, the presence of both Mechanicus, Imperial Guard, or Astromilitarm, and the Space Marines being present there was an, was supposed to act as fail-safes in case the Tyranid test subjects break out. Well. As always, nothing ever turns out the way you expect it to, and they did. So in this game, you don't have a high in 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 Gladius. You don't have Tyranids with you know the central intelligence of the High Fleet. So it's a, like a more small, like a little outbreak, but still the units awesome. Now there are a lot of units that are introduced. These are just various units like the Ravener warriors, and then you have the Gargoyles, which are not quite flying units, the Termagons, like somebody who doesn't know Tyranids, they have no idea what I'm doing. For somebody who doesn't know Tyranids, they're getting super excited by this. Now, if you want to see what this looks like gameplay-wise, because you haven't bought it and just not sure, uh, Dallin, the series on YouTube that will be linked in the notes, that's about four videos, has some impressions, has some gameplay. Uh, these guys, the Tyranids, they play very different than the other four factions that are currently in the game, and I think personally, I like it. I like their playstyle. They're much more like they're the swarm. They don't bother with resources. They got biomass to convert dead bodies, enemies, living bodies, neutral, uh, living stuff on the planet. Everything gets converted to biomass so they can make more units and get advance their research. And they are they are pretty powerful once they get rolling. And they are a lot of fun. And I'm just I'm really hyped. Now their um, proxies or Slytherin is charging $15 for this. Now, I've seen comments from everybody. Well, not everybody, but I've seen comments from people in a forum. Some are like, you know, 15 is okay. It's Warhammer and nothing in Warhammer. Slytherin, you know, they're more expensive than other publishers, you know. So, okay, you know, all that aside, it's definitely a better purchase than their first DLC, which was like the reinforcement pack. It's a much better purchase, but it's 15 bucks. And these days, 15 bucks, you know, for some people, it's nothing. For other people, it's a lot. And I, I can't tell somebody how to spend their money. I think for 15 bucks, this is a really good amount of content. But, you know, your mileage may vary. So if you're not sure, wait for a sale or see what other people say. Maybe you'll decide you like it like that and you just have to try it. So I can't, you know, I don't know. To me, it's not a big deal. But I'm not the typical, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. So now we're going to talk about Galsiv 3 and it's getting a new expansion and not just any expansion. It says that this is the largest expansion it's had yet. It's called Galsiv 3 Retribution. And it's uh, getting quite a lot. I don't know what it necessarily means by biggest. Is that lines of code? Is that file size? Including all the new art or what? But whatever, this one's going to be big. There's a lot of new features. First off, it's going to introduce artifacts to the game. Which I saw some guys in our forums kind of joking around that these are going to be overpowered things that really wreck the game. It's also going to introduce hypergates, which is kind of like jump gates in Babylon 5, where you can connect gates together and quickly move from one part of the galaxy to the other. But 
it's not just like you suddenly have the ability to blink in and out anywhere on the map. You have to set up a gate in like your home system or wherever, and then add another gate, build another gate somewhere else, and then link them. So it's not it, what it does is it makes traveling around in areas you've already conquered easier, which is great. Let's let's make it easier to play on the large maps and make the late game not quite so tedious to play. So I'm all for that. They're adding two new factions, the Drath and the Korath, and uh, I think they kind of tie into the new campaign that's coming for it, which mm-hmm. uh, is something. That, I mean, I think I read somewhere it's like supposed to finish up the backstory for okay. Galtsev Three. Well, so I the, think that's... the Drath and the Korath faction, not all these are factions that existed, so they're returning factions. Yeah, excellent, excellent. I know we had some people wanting some of the older factions from Galtsev Two to come back, so. This may give them what they want. Also, you're going to be able to build cargo ships. This sounds really interesting because let's say you have a planet that's really good at producing food and you want to get another planet really going. You can load up your cargo ships with a bunch of food, send it, and boom, it's going to be at that new planet helping them grow. And also with this, this one, uh, I have something else to say when I'm done describing it. They're redoing the whole tech tree for the game. It's going to be a mass revision of the tech tree for Gal Civ 3. And here's my thing about it. What happens a few months down the road when they need to patch the game? And the patch for the game is going to affect older parts of the game that use the old tech tree. But the patch only works for the new tech tree. Is this part going to eventually become a free thing or integrated into the base game the same way that certain parts of other DLC expansions were integrated into Gal Civ 3 uh, about a year ago, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit That's longer a good than that. When they did Crusade, right? Right. It was. It wasn't Tree right two. when they did Crusade. It was like a few months after Crusade, they realized that they the the new patches coming wouldn't. They couldn't patch the old stuff and the new stuff, so they just kind of like mashed it all together. And if you hadn't bought Crusade and you, but you still had the game, you got a bunch of stuff for free, which yeah. was really nice, really yeah, great. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, you no know. complaints there, right? Oh, absolutely not. So I'm this whole redo of the technology tree seems like something that may end up everybody ends up with down the road because they, well, they're not going to be able, you know, let's say eight, nine months down the road, they got to do a patch after this right, comes out. Right. Um, I, I think they'd have trouble reconciling old tech tree with new tech tree. Right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they're, I think they're making basically the tech tree part of the revision is each of the, each of the races is going to get its own version of the tech tree, is I think what's happening here. So, yeah, they're kind of kind of going to have to do that. But, hey, you know what? I'm okay with it because that was one of the issues with Galsiv is like the tech tree was so boring. And that's coming 4X where tech trees tend to be boring and Galsiv was really kind of boring. So maybe this will make it more better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So it says that um, this expansion is going to come out this winter and we know how stardock has kind of played around with release date so it said uh, for instance star control origin was going to come out in summer well it came out like the very last day of summer like a few hours after it came out it was autumn and so i'm wondering if this isn't necessarily something like that again where it's going to come out this winter or winter this year i think is what it says March and that 20th. could be like that could be 11, well it could 59 be 9 p.m yeah 
It could be in March or it could be in December. Well, it you mean uh, you mean December? It says winter this year. It comes out uh, winter this year. So right, it may, right. may not be out till December. So we'll have to see what happens. I don't think they're actually going to pull that. That would be funny though, right. uh, if they did. So anyway, um, Galsip three getting a massive update and revision, and I think that's pretty cool. Very cool. All right. Well, moving on to the next news item, let's talk about Endless Space two. So, um, today which is the 17th, one week our Amplitude is going to celebrate Endless Day, which is going to be on the 24th, next Thursday, or at the time that you hear this, uh, tomorrow. Um, by the way, that's also when they're going to be releasing, so you can pre-order Symbiosis, and that's the Endless Legend expand, expansion, DLC expand, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, Penumbra, which is the Endless Space 2 one, which I'm about to talk about. So if you can get a discount, like a early back, buyer discount or whatever and if you get both you get an even bigger discount so there's that so definitely check out their steam page for that by the time you hear it you still have time to take advantage no i'm not doing a sales pitch no we're not getting anything in return i'm just really excited for these games and i want more people to play them the end okay that out of the way um there was a on the 17th they had a stream on twitch that's i think two hours 10 minutes or so so they might by the time that you hear this, they might have broken it up into smaller bits, in which case, if they do, we'll have it, the relevance in the notes. But within the stream, they show both symbiosis, they show Penumbra, then uh, it actually begins with Romain, or the CEO, and his handle is Space Troll, talking about like the future, what they're working on. Uh, no, Endless Legend 2 is not coming this year, probably, <laughs> you know, and all kinds of things like that. There's more stuff coming, working on this and that. And one of the things he was talking about is like, you know, how Amplitude did in 2018. So if you're interested in all of these things, we will have a link to that to various parts. Having said that, let's move on to Endless Space 2. So I was talking about, we've been discussing it a little bit over the last couple of years. And now that they have shown more of it, more gameplay, basically uh, the Umbral Choir, which is a faction that was community developed, this is a stealth faction. And their main thing is they're a one system faction. What that means is, is that they only have their one original and they spread to other systems, but they don't take other systems and they don't control other systems. They bring forth an espionage mechanic, but their espionage mechanic specifically is not about destroying other empires. It's about remaining hidden and drawing resources and fueling their economy by occupied systems or by exploiting systems that are unoccupied by building these sanctuary. And of course, that means, wait a minute, there's going to be a secret faction that's doing all the stuff behind the scenes. How can we find them? Well, there's going to be technology that's going to be available to everybody for stealth and cloaking. So their trick, I think, is going to be to try and stay one step ahead of everybody else so they can stay hidden. They don't have a planet. They have these, like, not even rings. I don't know how do, how do I describe them. It's like almost like a ring world, but not quite. That's what they occupy. It looks like a like a jump gate or something. It's 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 unique. Now what, the thing with this faction is it's a really really old faction. So they were there before the endless, and they're trying to fix what the endless did, but they can't do it in the open. Hence why they're hidden. And of course there's the new the new hacking mechanic and counter hacking and it's just it's, it's kind of cool. It's really cool. It's an interesting way to introduce espionage. And I'm, uh, people that have wanted a different take on espionage give this particular DLC, assuming they have Endless Space 2. If not, Endless Space 2 will be on sale. You know, Endless Day, there's going to be lots of people to pick it up. So I hope people give it a chance. And I'm very curious to hear back at large what they think. 
because I played with it. I like it. They they fit my playstyle. I don't like being expansive. I don't like controlling 20, 30 systems because it just creates so much micromanagement. Even in a game that's meant to control micromanagement, you end up having micromanagement. So having a faction that's such a tall faction right up my alley and somebody that can hang with playing. So that's, you know, stay tuned for that. It's coming shortly after you hear this. be out. Great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself. Uh, we got a couple updates for Alliance of Sacred Sun this week. And the first one talks about trade. It's like the second half of trade, which we described last week or the week before. Um, and I'm going to really just summarize this because the first big chunk of this update takes you takes the reader through essentially different scenarios in how the AI is going to make decisions on how to make trades, what it needs to trade for, what it wants to give away, all this stuff again. And it explains a bit more about the personal traits of the viceroys that control the planet. So essentially, you want somebody who's kind of greedy, but not too greedy, and somebody that has some skill with economics in charge of your planet. So that that's essentially what it's saying there. Now, in addition to that, you as the player don't get to decide what the viceroys do. They're running their own show. You are the space emperor, and you don't worry about problem with individual planets you've got a whole galaxy to so instead what the player does is provide infrastructure that the viceroys can use and the better infrastructure you can provide for them the better their trades are going to be so you need to build things like space and you need to establish trade trading vessels this sort of thing now it's all very fascinating to me all these different scenarios the ai can make these very complicated decisions very quickly but I wonder how this will be communicated to Claire. Like the a lot of the information, like the hard numbers decisions, are, are posted in this update in green, which basically comes from like a bug report that you can get. Now these aren't bugs; it's just you know how the game is progressing. What is the game doing? Um, most games produce this sort of thing. You you can find it, but your average gamer never looks stuff. But anyway, how is the, all how are all these very complicated AI decisions going to be communicated to the player so that way the player understands why the viceroys are making decisions they are? Because when you look at a viceroy and he seems to be wrecking the economy of one of your planets, but he's acting within his traits, are you as a viceroy going to say, "Well, I guess I should execute this guy. He doesn't seem to be pulling his weight here." And you really end up taking off the population because the viceroy was very popular because he was generous with his people so the economy wasn't so good but it kept the population which was normally uh riotous very happy so i don't i'll be interested to see if all the very complicated economic simulations going on in the background are communicated to the player in a way that player can understand and appreciate because that that's kind of my concern with how complicated the mechanics of alliance of the sacred is getting is that it's almost an economy sim that can play itself it's playing itself what's the role of the player you know well well we'll see i mean i have faith in the developer well I'm, i'm just saying you know developers can get very fascinated with the internal mechanics of their game and they forget what it's like to be as a player and unable to decipher what exactly is going and why. Well, we'll kind of have to wait and see about that. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll I, I don't know this developer. I don't, I don't know experience or what he's done in the past, if anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm just, I'm just reading these massive update, and I'm like, well, how am I going to know this as a player? 
So that's my concern. The second thing... Hey, it is grand strategy. Well, yeah. So anyway, the, the second thing that was posted this week about Alliance of the Sacred Sun is kind of a roadmap. So right now in version 0.7 is the economic system and then also the riots. And that's what he's won right now. Next is going to come the save load system, which seems really important. I didn't realize that wasn't in the game. So hats off to everyone who's been playing it and testing it and giving feedback. I think that'd be, that would be pretty tough without being able to save and load. So that's really cool. Uh, next is after that, it's going to be challenges and secrets. And he goes on to explain what those are. Um, challenges are, I don't know. You, you have these characters in the game. And every six months, you can recruit a character to support your challenge. And if you win the challenge, it brings you power and love from your people. And if you fail, it does the opposite. Uh, secrets are intelligence uh, that you get from other characters called Inquisitors. And they can help you kind of subvert your enemies there. After that comes the science and reform system. And then finally, with house to house, to remember, uh, I really like to think of Alliance of the Sacred Sons is is similar, or at least perhaps inspired a bit by Frank Herbert's Dune series, where you have all these different little houses intriguing against one another. And here's the Space Emperor in Alliance of the Sacred Sons trying to hold all these houses together before it spirals out into a civil. So that's the roadmap. A Alliance of the Sacred Sons coming up. I tried to abbreviate it. I just so anyway, okay. there we go. And we'll have a link to it in the notes in case you want to take a look at it for yourself, dear listener, because we have no idea what we're talking about. And you you know better. So by all means, please take a look. Tell us <laughs> where we are wrong and what's what we should improve on. There's a few of you out there and you're very vocal about it. You're all ears. We're very much looking. And it's really funny about you know, the placement of these news items, because it's almost like I put them there in a particular in order to control the flow of the show. Doesn't it feel like that a little bit sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Are we doing another type of space grand strategy? Yeah, next? I know, right? Figure. How strange is that? So this week we had a, the first dev diary, Stellaris, but it's not a dev diary. It's called, from by them, it's called a fake dev diary and it's called Dante's and, and basically this developer is talking about you know the going the goings on behind this, and they're talking about this thing where they have like the dev clash where depending on the game they have so many of the devs working on the various projects competing with one another and they I don't know if they're street they stream it and then they put it on YouTube or if they put it I, I'm not sure I think they stream it then they export it but anyways this week's dev clash didn't happen because of the release of Megacorp, they're all back now from vacation, and every facet of the community is tearing into them from one thing or another because of the state of Megastellar. So they're like, okay, okay, we're going to jump on it. We need to patch this. We need to fix this. So they're all kind of like put down the gauntlet for the Hangout session to focus on, you know, getting the patch out, making sure everything, which is great. Hey, you know what? I'm all for it. I'm, I'm a proponent of getting games that work at release versus getting something that doesn't work for years and years. So in this fake dev diary, they talk about like the, you know, the different, a couple of the different people, in some of their different jobs. That's all interesting. They're talking about some of their projects, you know, Shady Kings 2, Europa Universalis. They're talking about uh, also upcoming stuff, Stellaris being ported to console and uh, Age of Wonders Planetfall. They talk about Battletech, all these different balls that have up in the air. They are not sure what 
you know, what's next, but there's a couple of secret projects being worked on and things like that. And then they turn around, they're like, so what would you like us? And that's interesting. In our forums, we have two threads. We have the Stellaris thread. I think it last checked like 7,700 posts in there. And then we have a new thread that popped up this week, which is like, are you, are you happy with Stellaris or, you know, is Stellaris a good game or something to that degree? And like people are going in there and they're sharing what they don't like about it. It's, it's interesting because you know what? We've so positive on Stellaris that sometimes we don't step back and look at the big picture to see how the game has changed. And a lot of people that have been playing the game for thousands of hours are not happy with the direction that the game has gone in. So that's an interesting thread. And one of the things spoken about in that thread also pops up over here, like the communication and things like that. So we'll link it. You take a look. It's not really a dev diary. They're not really, other than saying that they're working on a big patch, they haven't said much of anything in that regard. And the previous news item, Alliance of the Sacred Sons, is actually feeling more like a grand strategy. Lars was maybe grand strategy-esque early on. Now it's becoming like a more traditional Space 4X. So for those people that feel like, oh, Lars has lost its focus, and it was, they really might need to check out Alliance of the Sacred Sons. And I think it's on sale right now, and it's not expensive. It's like 10 bucks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's right. Nine ninety nine. Yeah, so definitely check it out and you know, give some feedback and make help keep the game a grand strategy and not a 4x uh, i talk to the dev all the time on twitter super nice guy very very he posts in our forums from time to time so definitely go and check that out all right very cool so we have a brief update from children of the galaxy this week and a lot of it just has to do with uh, multi-threading issues for the ui so all that's being reworked and the ui should be smoother it should work better uh, and it fixed a few issues with the grid control. And also, he's the the developer, one of the developers, I know there's more, is working on a new planet siege system. And this siege system, Nate, check this out, mm-hmm. is going to add a new mini-map for each planet battle. Nice. So a game with already way too many maps it's gonna is get going to map. be getting another one. So if you don't remember, uh, Children of the Galaxy has uh, the galaxy map, and you can kind of think of it as sort of like Galaxy 3, except in Galaxy 3 where you have individual planets on the hex grid, in Children of the Galaxy you have system. And then once you enter a system, you go into another mini-map within that system, and it's another hex grid. You can move around on that. And so now when you get to a planet, in children of the galaxy you're going to be able to go to another map to invade it and uh <laughs> this is this is an order of granularity i'm not sure has ever been it's <laughs> it is it is it's it's too much for me. like when i was playing children of the galaxy i was like all these different maps trying to conquer worlds it's it's very difficult because like you got a hyperspace jump out of the system and, you know, you, you can move really far within the system. Right. I mean, just think about our own solar system, which is in the game. Right. You know, from Mars to Neptune, that's really far. So right. you can move a lot of distance in that map. And then when you jump out of the system, you're, you're like in just the middle of this massive map once again. And you're like, oh my goodness, I can move around for hours and do nothing but just move. So anyway, this it's getting a new map for Invasion. Is you know maybe they should just need to go all the way with it and say, hey, look, this is the game of really deep, detailed, granular micromanagement, and you can take it or leave it. 
because this is what this game's about. Sounds like Aurora 4X. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure like that, but <laughs> I mean, it's... Um, <laughs> it's yeah, that takes it's it definitely a lot more than you know. Um, predestination has something similar. Now that I think about it, I was wondering when you were going to mention predestination because that's like the only item we don't have any news for yeah. today. We pretty much have news. We have a few more things coming. So by the end of the show, you're going to be like, oh my god, is there anything they didn't talk about? Sort of the stars, or well, maybe that one. Or Star yeah, there you go. Too. The difference with um, predestination, though, is space travel. Space travel is really abstract. It's almost like Master of Orion 1, you know, where you just kind of move star to star, right? There's there's no real hex grid there. Uh, so, and even within a system, like once you get a ship within a system, like it, it can be at any of the planets. You don't have to move it planet to planet, okay? So it has a lot of maps also, but it, the they, they've made it so the micromanagement isn't nearly as bad. In fact, it's not too bad at all in that game. So, anyway, that's a, we talked way too long about Children of the Galaxy. Let's move on. Nate, why don't you tell us about Stars and Shadow? Absolutely. So, remember how earlier I said we got a lot of news? Well, we haven't heard anything from the devs for Stars and Shadow since, I think, last March. And the game came out in January. Then we had, like, like an update date. No, no. It was since then because they also had their uh, the first DLC and then they went silent. Stuff gone behind the scenes. I'm not really going to discuss it. It's, if they wanted this on them, it's not for us to say much. Anyways, so this new update is basically, from what I can tell, it is a free update. And this is, it brings, remember how I said this, there's going to be a lot of debate in the show? Yep. So there's more diplomacy here, but it's more about like the victory screen. So one of the things that the player base was asking was like when you win the game to get like a couple of different victory screens to see progress, to see how you did. So they kind of like a timeline. Of, and they did that. They made changes. They've added new events. And then a lot of the stuff that they did here is they did like bug fixes. They did balancing, but they did changes to the AI. And they credit here some of the lines they credit. Um, Somebody who helped them. So I don't know if this is a community member, if this is another developer or whatnot. Somebody stepped in and helped a lot with the AI. And um, they did some UI changes. They Harpy Eagle. So my guess it's probably a community that was helping with, with fixing some stuff in the AI. And then they really worked a lot. The difficulty settings in the game, you know, so you tune them better, you can tweak them. They changed uh, some, some of the weapons, like, adjusting hardpoints. So here's the thing. The, one of the big things about Stars and Shadows is it has turn-based tactical combat, but like the old-style tactical combat, so you your ship and you, you have angle, fire, fence, you have different weapons and all that stuff. It's like it's very tactical, very in-depth, highly regarded. I'm, if I remember correctly, Micah wrote the read and he enjoyed it. He had nothing but praise for it. So with this update and you know, maybe a potential update. I'll get in touch with the devs. I'll see what's going on with them. It might be time to re-examine Stars and Shadows. So if we do, I mean, we will do it. The question is, is it going to be sooner rather than later? Um, you know, should be an update. Now, it's been a while since it's out, so I don't know who's thinking about it. But if you own it, definitely check it out. If you don't, it is a fantastic game. It's not expensive. It is, it's a very fun art style, but it's not, it's not silly. You know, it's not like some of the games out, like people say, oh, that's just silly. It's not silly. It's, it's hard. You know, it is what it is. But this one, definitely, I like the art. I like the, the aesthetics in Shadow. And um, definitely, it's one of the few um, 
games inspired by the Master of Ryan series that captures a lot of what made the Master of Ryan games good, I think. And at least that's how I feel. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I just wish them the best of luck and this all works out. Absolutely. And since we don't have predestination to talk about, we have like last that popped up. So Star Control Origins is yeah. back on this. Now, I saw somebody post about it in our forums. I'm like, what? Immediately I looked and there it is. I reached out to Bradworth CEO and I asked him and I, I wasn't asking specifics and he's not, he wasn't saying specifics. I mean, I'll have a chance to talk to him. So if I get any information, somebody asks me, I, I'll definitely try to answer it in the comments. The, sh- the show is posted, but he pretty much said that steam is seen from their side. It's the best way I can describe it. I don't want to put words in his mouth and I don't want to make assumptions and he didn't say too much but like if you follow him on we'll see what he said but pretty much i guess steam saw their argument put him back and most likely gogs do the same so if that's the case i mean they still have to resolve their issues and still got to do stuff you know that's that's how it is you know that's the state of the state right now but because the game is back on whatever controversy happened when the game was pulled down because of dmca strike it's potentially been mitigated and what that means is that most likely by the time you hear this our excursion for star control origin which was written and finished by the end of 2018 is going to be so if that's the case then by now you've probably read it very curious think about it one of the things that we do not go into any amount of detail in the excursion joshua is loaded are the politics behind the lawsuit and i know several people are going to be incensed by this and like you know, pitchforks out, getting the you know, getting the ropes, let's hang somebody. And you know what? Hey, you are permitted to feel that way. And you are permitted to go about your business, but we're not hanging any. We are not lawyers. I mean, Micah is, but the rest of us aren't. We're certainly not patent lawyers. I'm not even going to tend to try and decipher that. I'm going to let the courts make that decision. And once they make that decision, actually. So if you're expecting us to try Stardock, go after Paul and Fred and pick a side and circle the wagons that's not gonna that is not our goal that is not our purpose so please check out the excursion you know read it for what it is because a lot of the feedback that i'm getting from our community members that are playing the game is that they're not all of them but a lot of and that's that speaks for itself you know yeah i just tried on gog to see if i could put star control origin in my shopping cart and And, i can't okay so it's like it it goes in there for like half a second and then it it's immediately removed. So not back on GOG yet, but is apparently available on Steam. I checked, again, which... I checked and we have a link in here. I'm going to click on it right now real quick and see what pops up. And if anything's changed. If it's changed, I apologize. We're not cut a segment out of the show. Nope, it is up. Uh, the social warriors, of course, are in there eating on it as usual. So, you know, to each their own. Can't really do anything about that. But uh, yeah, let's see what happens. Our review's going up. It's been written. I like I said, I know some people, you know, come in with their minds made up and can't read. So hopefully, the ones that don't give it a read, see what they think about the excursion, we'll go from there. Okay, I think that's mostly it for 4x and Star Control. So finally, a quick update on Four Triumph. Now here's the thing. So from time to time, I will mention some of these, and this is not a game from the What Is that's coming next. I will mention some of the Squad Tactics games, and we'll talk about some of the other strategy games that are not for, so not stuff that we typically talk about and i will talk about an update 
but I don't really get a lot of feedback community one way or the other. When I was doing it for XCOM, we were like really into XCOM, and I'm assuming people are into Phoenix Points when I do Phoenix Points. But when I talk about some of these smaller games, I don't hear back. Now, I want to talk about them, but it takes up time, and you know, got to do research and do the prep work, so people don't really care and they never listen, please let us know. And in that case, we can adjust accordingly. Having said that, Fort Triumph, which is a fantasy squad tactics game, this game has like, it's like Space Tyrant, like it has that kind of a reverence. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but it has great, great gameplay. It's like, it's a fun game. So if this is the type of game you want to check out, Fort Triumph had a major update and lots of changes. They're, they've been adding different things to the game, like with the maps, now their abilities and upgrade. They're also changing. They're making changes to some of the existing abilities and some of the existing upgrades. They're tweaking animations. They're making balance changes. I mean, this is all stuff that's being done in early access. The game is not at least yet, but it's it's great. Click on the link. Take a look. I mean, maybe you'll be like, wow, that looks really great. I want to check it out. In which case, if you do, let us know. You're like, oh man, this and games like it. We're really not interested. So I'll just mention in future and just focus more on the other stuff so okay now finally this week's game what is feature is called region now not religion religion except it is about and like the closest game that's not a um like a dota type game that i can think of that's like this or this game resembles because that previous game has been out for a long time is demigod from startup and basically to briefly explain what this is is this is an rts but you are a religious leader that's trying to conquer and you're converting citizens and it's like a cyberpunk it's dark it's got the cyberpunk aesthetic it has what they say is a mature story with profound background lots of decisions to make um, you can do like your own call. You can do, I mean, it's cool. Click on the link, take a look. This looks really fun. Now it is an RTS, so I don't know. I'm just not, I'm just not an RTS player. I haven't been for a time, but man, if I was going to play an RTS, I would definitely give this a look. This looks a, like a lot of fun. And if you want like that dark gameplay and something maybe on a smaller scale, this might be the game. So I think that's it for the game. And with that, Troy, what have you? Uh, I don't want to take up too much time because I know this one's running kind of long, but uh, I did play some Thea 2 this past week and enjoying it for the most part. Uh, I do feel like I'm getting a little harassed too much by the random events, wandering monsters, so I mm-hmm. keep backing down the difficulty level and that doesn't seem to affect it. So uh, hopefully in the future they add like some settings where you can be left alone just a little bit more. Because what, what I end up doing, especially early on, is I just leave a lot of the situations. You know, I don't explore the room or whatever. And it just, but it just takes time. And it, it, I just feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm spending 10, 20% of my time just clicking through things, just trying to get out of them rather than doing the things I want to do in the game. But mm. anyway, uh, I'm making progress and I, man, I, I love it. It is a fun game already. And there's, I know they're doing a lot more to it. Um, let's see, what else did I play? I played a little bit more Off-World Trading Company and World of Tanks Blitz course. Mm-hmm. Of course. And I will say that... Maybe fire up at the gate, see how it's... Yeah, firing. I was just looking at that. So I might wait for it to launch before, oh, I, it's a week before away. I fire it up. Yep. So by the next show, we'll have launched. So yeah, I'll also be firing it up fully next week. I mean, <clears throat> I want to play Endless too. 
Man, this legend. I want to play XCOM too. Play so many games. It's the time for it. I need what I need to be doing is focusing on aggressors, ancient Rome, so I can finish writing the room for it. But just oh my god, so much stuff is like just in so many different directions. And I'm not talking about you know life outside of video game. I'm just talking about video games. So for me this week, uh, I didn't play too much. I last weekend I got a little bit of seat time, so I was playing um, Thea two as well and. Once they put up the newest update, which we talked about on the show today, I fired it up. And yeah, man, I, I love the fact that no longer does having kids party mean that you just lost an encounter. You just have to like, you know, your kids, very do they get put in unless there's a reason for them there. So one of the things that they did is they put, they're changing the way that the participants are chosen. So even though it will show you potential of like, oh, there's, you know, 15 different people because two groups. In reality, it's only going to pick the ones that are most qualified. So I like that. Now, I know a lot of people have been asking for it, but I also at the same time think it's a little bit too easy. So if you just focus all your development on like five or six or seven characters, you have like the super party that can handle anything. And that takes away some of the fun of like trying to work your way through having a bad hand kind of thing. You know, imagine if you're playing like magic or hearthstone or something and you have five main power cards and no matter what you draw these five main power cards always draw at your ready at some point it might not be as fun so maybe they have to continue it a little, do stuff i have some ideas i shared with them we'll see what they do i mean not like i get any special considerations it's just i'm participating in this testing now i also like the fact that um, they tell you which so you know like on the encounter there's the flag all the way at the bottom Right. Yeah. The flag it shows that. Now, one of the things that, like you, I like the fact that you have that ritual now to help you know clear some of ailments or curses. But the other thing is that when you build a new version of a structure, it'll replace an old. So in your village, you can have six structures. So that means there's still two or three structures that we haven't seen yet that haven't been introduced. So in Thea One, we had the watchtower and stuff like that. So I'm wondering if they're going to bring that or maybe uh, bring like a bar or pub or whatever, or maybe bring something else, you know, like, uh, I don't know, something else. Maybe like upgradable walls because we also had that in Thea One. So maybe they'll bring that back. Because if you look at the village, your village always looks like it has bramble, your settlement, whereas the Slavia, wherever, they actually have walls. So maybe that's coming. But the major thing is, is that once you build your village, you can't upgrade your idol. Now you can. So if you get better tier two, tier three resources, you can upgrade your idol and get a stronger house demon, get more bonuses. So I really like that. So that. Okay, now moving on. Another game I'm playing is continuing to play Civ 6, the base game, not right fall on the iPad with my son. He's having fun. And Persona 5, the PS4 a little bit. Man, God, that game is that game is crazy. That game is nuts. And I was it's like I spent weekend nights, I played for four hours, and I was like, oh my God, dude, I got so far, I'm so badass, and then I looked at my progression, I'm like at 2%, I'm like, oh my God, what the hell, how many hundreds of hours will I have to sink into this game? So that's kind of intimidating, but uh, yeah, that's it mostly for me, I'm looking forward to seeing what next week, because everything Next week, this week, we still have Friday left. Sometimes they even release stuff on Saturday. But next week, we might have like a four-hour show. God forbid, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, now, as a final parting thought, thank you to our patrons for your support. Genuinely, thank you. Some of the difficulties we've been having with the show, hopefully, are going to be addressed. One thing I really know, I don't know if you guys know this, but I think something weird happened on Troy's end, and he sounds completely different right now. So I'm hoping that when he puts 
he edits the show that that is the case. So you guys get to hear the super sexy, you know, lounge singing, troll voice, which I'm hearing right now. I'm just not, I'm not crazy. So I hope that I'm not crazy. And you guys get to hear the super smooth Troy voice. It's really, it's really hilarious. <laughs> so it's really my fifth voice. It's, yeah. it's happened off and on for years now. But we've this always like, edited it out. But this week we might be. It. But today, <laughs> for some reason, we could not fix it. So I'm hoping that I'm not hallucinating and it's not like something in my head. So we'll find out. If that's the case, please let us know. I'm dying to people's feedback. Not dying. Very excited. And uh, I, think, <laughs> I hope to be living for a while long. Having said that, I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the comments. I love talking to you guys, to the listeners, gals, hosts. We have very... Um, passionate listener and um, i'm okay with that as long as there's no personal attacks and no insults threats so being passionate is fine by so awesome I- well we'd like to thank everyone for joining us on the podcast this week we really enjoyed having you this has been troy and nate for explorminate take care everyone see ya Thank you.